0: .NET Rocks episode 662 with guest Kuhn Zwickstra. Recorded live Tuesday, May 10th, 2011. This episode is brought to you by Telerik. And by Franklin's.net, training developers to work smarter. And now offering video training on Silverlight 4 with Billy Hollis and SharePoint 2010 with Sahil Malik. Order online now at franklins.net. And now here are Carl and Richard. Thank you very much and welcome back to .NET Rocks. It's Carl and it's Richard. Hey, we're back. I like being back. You're back. Where were you? I was in the Mustang region of Nepal. Doing what? Walking. Yeah. So basically we were retracing the 14th century trade route between China and India. Did you carry some cinnamon in your pack? Uh, No, cinnamon comes from India. So it was... It would have gone the other way. It was the other way. But what was interesting was the Tibetan influence going into that area. So a lot of uh, 14th century Buddhist temples, real early versions of Buddhism. And uh, this is also the route that an awful lot of Tibetans escaped when the Chinese invaded 60 years ago.
1: Yeah. Wow, fantastic. So I'm sure you got a lot of stories.
0: It's, uh, it was definitely an experience. Uh, you, you're walking on a very old piece of the earth. No two ways about it. Are you going to, uh, blog some stuff about that? Uh, you know, how maybe I'll throw some things into Facebook. We, uh, Stephen Forte and Joel Semeniak went, uh, with me as well. It's really, you know, Steve's the obsessed one and yeah. I just seem to go along for the ride, but definitely some great photographs, really interesting experience and, cool. uh, and hard, physically yeah. hard to, to walk. You know, you have these evil, these terrible moments where you're, you're you can see the town you want to get to for the afternoon, yeah. And it's you're you're at eye level with it. You know, maybe we were at twelve thousand feet and you can see it, but between you and there are a pair of three thousand foot drops. Good lord! So you walk down and then you walk back up and then you walk back down and then you walk back up. And man, if
1: I go to the bank and the library in the same day, I need a nap. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how you do that. Anyway, let's start uh, this off with Better Know Framework.
0: Awesome.
1: So this is a little uh, bit that I've been doing for a long time now where I shine a little light on a piece of the .NET Framework. We're back in the Framework proper. We did tips for a while. Yeah? Yeah. So I'm spelunking through the Framework today, and I found system.link.expressions.tryexpression. And this is link L-N-Q. L-I-N-Q. L-I-N-Q, right. Yeah, not the other link. Not the other link. The link that most .NET Rocks listeners know of. And care about. And care about. So this is for doing try, catch, you know, exception handling within a lambda expression. Nice. Yeah. And I went looking for any kind of example in the real world that anybody's blogged about. And I didn't find it on the first or second page of of, of a Bing result set. Wow. So I'm thinking that this is fairly unknown by most developers interesting and you know uh in fact there was something i found on stack overflow where somebody's saying how do i do exception handling within link and the answers that they got didn't use this it was just regular they were trying to do regular expression handling within a link statement but the problem of course is that these lambdas can contain lots of functions that are just you know nested and and you know, one returns another, returns another, returns another. So if you have an exception in one, you want to handle it right there, you know, at that level bef- before it backs into everything else. So, nice. so uh, you create your try expression, which also can contain catch expressions and what to do with those and embed those right in your expressions, in your lambda expressions.
0: Now this sounds like a great conference session. Like just when you thought you knew link. Right. Do you know about this? Yeah. It does.
1: Well, there you go. So, uh, expression, And also, uh, you want, uh, dot catch block and all of that stuff. Go check it out and somebody please explain this to us because it's very intriguing. <laughs> Richard, who's talking to
0: us? I grabbed a comment off the website for the show I did with Billy Hollis at Mix.
1: That was a great show.
0: 659. And this is from Ken Pisa. And he says, uh, Billy's disagreement throughout this episode of the one way to do things mentality really struck a chord with me. I've recently been trying to adopt a test-driven development process to my web projects. And in my quest to find best practices, I've encountered a number of TDD pundits who boldly claim their way is... The only way. Of course they do. While I've now been converted to see the value of the test-first approach, I'm encouraged to use it wherever possible. I'm very much skeptical of the idea that it fits in all situations and the extreme viewpoints that some TDD fanatics set forth. It was refreshing to hear Billy share his thoughts on the topic, and given his real-world experience, it counts for a lot reminded me that it is better to learn these design practices well enough to add them to my tool belt and use them where I see fit, rather than follow them blindly and risk seeing everything as nails because I'm carrying a hammer. Yes. This brings me to a suggestion for an episode topic. I'd love to hear more from developers in the field on how they approach testing for web projects. Test-first development as a practice is wonderful, but very difficult to employ when much of the project deals with the UI. Yeah, Based on lots of research and several good recent DNR episodes, I've been using SpecFlow and Selenium to help cover testing the UI side and drive tests and code I write on the back end. It would be great to hear what other web developers use for testing tools and their personal approaches to acceptance, integration, and unit testing. Thanks for all the great shows. I started listening back around show 300 and haven't missed a show since. That was a good show. 300. What was that about? That was you. Oh, jeez. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Ken, thanks for the great email. And I love your idea. I think I'll hunt down a few testing shows. And I'm not going to be shy about it either, because I've been looking at some of the more advanced testing suites out there. And I don't think people know about these things. They're impressive, impressively sophisticated pieces of software. So maybe we need to dig into those as well. And I'll send you a mug, so I'll be getting a hold of you soon, and if you've got questions, concerns, ideas for a show, just want to tell us what you liked and what you didn't, write a comment on our website. Write to us at dotnetrocks.com.
1: Well, uh, Richard, I'm very excited because our guest today is Kuhn Zwickstra, who runs First Floor Software. Um, First Floor has a focus on Silverlight technology. It's primarily an ISV. Its flagship product is Silverlight Spy a runtime inspector tool for Silverlight applications. Kuhn is addicted to XAML and C-sharp and is a Silverlight MVP. And Silverlight Spy, to be more exact, is a runtime inspector tool providing unprecedented access to all aspects of any Silverlight in-browser, out-of-browser, and Windows Phone 7 application. Silverlight Spy proves to be a valuable time-saver when it comes to figuring out why a Silverlight application is behaving the way it is. Just point SL Spy to your or someone else's online app or local zap file and start digging into the application. You all have been there. You, uh, you get this error that is some cryptic WCF error and you have no idea what it is. And you really want to be able to see what's going on under the hood. That's what Silverlight Spy is all about. Welcome, Kuhn.
2: Hi, Richard and Cole. Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: Oh, yeah. I, I think this just sounds wicked cool. Oh, I love awesome. in, inspection solutions. And
1: I have needed it. I mean, every, I think anybody who's done any Silverlight has come across these issues where it just seems too high level and you, you really want to know what's going on and you can't debug it. You can't get the error message that you need unless you're looking at the HTTP stream.
2: That is exactly yeah, the case. And, and one more thing, yeah, the, the designing and developing Silverlight applications, it's all about blend, it's all about templates, yeah. uh, control templates, data templates. Um, and it's, it's, it's very powerful, but it's very easy to lose track of how applications will look like at runtime. And that is exactly one of the reasons I have uh, created Silverlight Spy. It, it helps you find uh, why your application is behaving the way it is.
1: So give us an overview of Silverlight Spy. Uh, beyond the, the one paragraph blurb.
2: Okay. Um, Silverlight Spy. Well, if, if you want to have the short answer, then Silverlight Spy is like a firebug for Silverlight applications. Um, it, it allows you to uh, inspect the user interface and, and see what is actually going on. So you have defined your templates and your binding solutions and everything in, in, in Visual Studio or in Blend, and uh, you run the application. Uh, Silverlight Spy shows you exactly what is going on and what your visual tree looks like.
1: So when you say exactly what's going on, what levels and what technologies are we talking about?
2: Uh, It it, it shows you the the, the XAML uh, that has been used. It shows you the exact uh, visual tree, so all the elements that are created on runtime are shown in the uh, Silverlight Spy Explorer.
1: And can't we see the XAML if we're just in Visual Studio and look in the XAML view? What, What are you get with Silverlight Spy XAML-wise above and beyond Visual Studio?
2: It, it will, uh, what it will do Silverlight Spy is it will uh, regenerate the XAML based on the actual visual tree. So if you have in, in, in um, Visual Studio, you would uh, normally create a template. Like, for, for instance, take a, a button. Uh, a button has a control template, uh, which contains a lot of uh, visuals, like grids, uh, borders, uh, rectangles, um, all those elements. Uh, in the end, will be created when you instantiate a button in XAML. Then Silverlight Spy, if you run the application, uh, Silverlight Spy will take this button and it will uh, iterate over all the created visuals and regenerate the XAML elements based on the actual values at runtime.
1: So you're talking about looking at a Silverlight app that just exists out there and you're not in Visual Studio. You're, you're just using a Silverlight app, point Silverlight Spy to it, and then you can see the, the whole visual tree in XAML all exactly yes. what's in there.
2: Yep, that is correct, yes.
0: Wow. I mean, you don't have to just spy on your own apps. You can spy on anybody's app.
2: Exactly. Yes, that's possible. And, and yeah. So I, I, I have some, uh, I received some complaints about that. People saying, hey, I've built this great uh, Silverlight application and now I have Silverlight Spy and everyone can just take my carefully crafted XAML right. and, and steal it from me.
1: So, so the uh, so you have had um, people complaining about you know people can now steal my Silverlight. Aren't, wouldn't they be able to steal it anyway? I mean, isn't a zap file just a zipped up XAML file? What is a zap file?
2: It is yes. Uh, the zap file is the package format of uh, Silverlight, and it, it is a zip file, and it contains the the XAML, uh your assemblies, uh, any resources you have packaged with your application. And yeah, it's it you can use it to you can open it with any uh, zip uh manager. Right. So that's really easy. But what Silverlight Spy does is it makes it really easy to um, right. yeah, to inspect anyone's code and, and XAML for that
0: matter. Yeah. I mean in some ways isn't this just reflector for right. Silverlight?
2: Uh, yes. Uh, Silverlight Spy you can see that as a reflector for Silverlight. And um actually uh Silverlight Spy does use reflector
0: to uh, perform code
1: deobfuscation oh deobfuscate so does that mean that there are ways that you can obfuscate XAML or your zap files
2: um, well XAML not really in the end there's somewhere there is a string containing your XAML and you can choose to to obfuscate your XAML but the only option I see there is that you uh, don't have XAML files but that you create your UI in code ah yeah so in the end, your Xamarin file will be somewhere in your assembly or as a, as a resource in your uh, ZEP file.
1: And really, is this a problem? I mean, do people really steal each other's Silverlight code?
2: Um, I don't know. There, there are also uh, ways to uh, at least um, obfuscate your code and make it harder for people to look into your code if you're worried about that. But in the end, yeah, it's the nature of .NET applications. Right. Um, it, it's fairly easy to, to to check what is going on and how code is written.
1: Yeah, and how easy is it to rip off JavaScript or
0: HTML for that matter, exactly. you know? Exactly. So. Yeah, this, this is not a new problem. Right.
2: Right. And, and the only thing is that, and that's usually my usual response to people asking me about this, is, um, well, please don't shoot the messenger. Right. I'll, I'll make it easy for you, but it's, it's, it's just showing you how easy it is. And if you want to do something about it, well, here's an option to see what you are sharing with the world. And so that's why it makes that available to you.
1: This portion of .NET Rocks is brought to you by our very good friends at Telerik. If you're like me, you're using Facebook on a daily basis. You also might want more control on what you're seeing and how you're seeing it. If that's the case for you, try FaceDeck. FaceDeck is a Silverlight-based client application for Facebook, now supported by Telerik. The product was formerly known as Microsoft Client for Facebook Beta, The news about Telerik taking over the application from Microsoft was announced by Scott Guthrie at his Firestarter event keynote. Facedeck has a nice, elegant, black finish touch. You can upload photos with a simple drag-and-drop operation from your file system to your Facedeck. You also have instant access to your webcam. What's more, Facedeck will save you from notifications from unwanted applications. You only see what you care for. And, of course, it's free. Try it at facedeck.telerik.com. And don't forget to thank them for supporting.NET
2: Rocks.
0: So this is not a new product. You've been working on this for a while.
2: That's correct, yes. It's uh, almost uh, four years ago that I started this.
0: Wow. And was it, was it just solving a problem you had?
2: It, is, uh, it started as a uh, pet project, um, and it was in the, in the times of Silverlight uh, 1.0. Yeah, that was the time that there was a uh, XAML-only and, and uh, JavaScript there wasn't any .NET execution. And in the, uh, at the time, there were little debugging tools. So I decided to create my own Visual tree Visualizer because I needed it. And I called it Silverlight Spy.
1: So it looks free. Is it free?
2: It is a commercial product now. But oh, it there is. is a free version as well.
1: So what's the diff?
2: Um, functionality. Uh, a free The, the free version uh, has limited functionality, uh, as in that you can't inspect all properties of a visual that you are looking at. If you have a button on your screen and you want to check the properties, it only exposes a limited set of properties. Okay. And in the full commercial version, you will have access to all features, to all properties, to, to everything.
1: What are some of the things that, uh, that you do not give access to in the free version?
2: Um, well, in, in the, the, if you look at the uh, Visual tree uh, Analyzer, where the Explorer shows you the entire visual tree that is also available in the free version. Um, you can read all properties in both the free and the commercial version, but in the free version, you are not allowed to uh, change the values because that's another um, feature of Selflight Spy. It allows you to uh, edit the visual tree and edit the user interface at runtime. And hence, you can do that in the, in the free version.
0: Okay. So what's the thing that everybody uses in this? Yeah, the killer feature.
2: The killer feature. The killer feature the reason people buy this product is access to the visual tree, the thing that we've been talking about up to now. Um, The single most used feature of Silverlight Spy uh, is the User Interface Explorer. Uh, The the fact that you can inspect and read and set uh, properties of UI elements um, helps you find problems with your application. Does that make any sense?
1: Yeah. Yeah, it does. I'm just wondering what we're going to talk about for an hour
2: <laughs> for another half hour. <laughs> oh well, the 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 visual tree is is only a a part of the uh of Self-Lead spy. Uh,
0: so you describe it as a visual tree is that just literally showing the hierarchy of the different controls that are embedded in a given screen?
2: That is correct. Yes. And that that is the visual tree. And and, and that is uh Rendered on screen exactly like that. So if you have a user control containing a grid, containing a, a button, then Silverlight Spy shows you the user control containing the grid, containing the button, and then it shows you all the elements that uh, make up a button.
1: Now that, that can be helpful for looking at your own stuff when you're offline or don't have access to your code. But what is it useful for, for somebody who isn't a developer?
2: For a designer, you mean?
1: Well, somebody uh, would a non-developer use this tool? I guess is what I'm saying.
2: But um, well, it, it provides you. Um, well, if, if you talk about this 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 blend designer that is being designing his uh, uh, screens in Blend, mm-hmm. um, now is running the application and it's using his theme that he has designed in in uh, in Blend, and now he sees that his user interface is a couple of pixels off. Uh, somehow. Uh, the application in code is, is doing something with margins. Now, he doesn't know what the developer has done. And what he can do is he can launch Silverlight Spy, run the application, and check to see what is going on with his visuals. And there he can see, okay, well, the, the margin is off for, for a couple of pixels. Okay. Uh, I can reset it. I can make it look right at runtime. And that's what a non-developer can do.
1: Yeah. So, so it's really all about, you know, what, when, when I'm looking at a field what is that made up of and what are the margin settings and the width settings and all the properties of all those? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, and it's one of those classic interaction problems, right? The designer did one thing, the developer did something else and somewhere the two didn't get along and trying to find that can be really be a bear.
1: So that gets back to what people complain about that I imagine most people use this because they go to a site that has a Silverlight app and they say, That's really cool. I wonder how they constructed that and then they can see the XAML and say, Ah, that's what that is, you know? And maybe even can you can they copy and paste the XAML right out of Silverlight Spy into their own? Yes they can. Yeah. Okay, so there you go. So that's (laughs) you are the enabler of uh of uh Ripping oh, off yeah. people's XAML.
2: Yes, that's correct, but there's still a couple of steps required because what I what I could do is 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 add a, f- a feature that is called save as project. Yeah, and it just creates a new Visual Studio project for you containing the entire application source.
1: So that's really and what it is.
2: Y- yes, but yeah. I didn't do that.
0: Yeah, no, so I, I get it.
2: I'll make it accessible, but I won't even make yeah.
0: So you can um, have the free version, the commercial version, and the steal everything in sight version.
1: <laughs> it's like view source for Silverlight. That's what it is.
2: It is, yes. Yeah, exactly. Yep. <laughs> That's a nice one. I will say. Yeah, about. view source.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I can't tell you how much I ripped off in the you know JavaScript and HTML viewing source.
0: Yeah. Well, how else did we learn? Right. It's true. That- really digging into these things and the reality is it's all exposed i mean with nothing else this shows you if you really feel like you need to protect this ip you've got work to do right uh what about the performance side of things how does this help you with performance
2: uh um, it it includes a performance monitor um, and what it provides you is a very high level view of what your application is doing you, need, you should think about uh, the, the memory consumption, uh, the, the, the number of frames that are rendered per, per second. Those kind of things are being exposed by Silverlight Spy. It's not a profiler, so it won't tell you uh, things about the number of allocated instances or the, the, how long your methods are running. That's not it, but it, it provides you with a high-level overview of the performance. And you can use Silverlight Spy as an indicator to to indicate uh, performance problems. Then if you want to investigate, you want to use an an actual profiler.
0: But you can... Does it actually break it down? I get the sense this thing's rather UI-centric, that it's I can see how much time I spent executing a given button.
1: Or rendering. Can you... Does it tell you how long it takes a particular element to render?
2: No, it doesn't. on, On the whole, in a global level... It provides you with, with information like your, your application is now using 80% of the CPU or your memory is now at uh, this high. That's about it. So if you want to go into this, uh, the, if you want to find out about uh, why is the, my button on click handler taking so long and, and, and what is happening there, you do need, need an actual profiler.
1: At Franklin's Net right now, you can get a DVD with over 11 hours of Billy Hollis on Silverlight 4 or 14 hours of Sahil Malik on SharePoint 2010, each for only $6.95. Order online at www.franklins.net. Are you looking to change jobs? Infusion Development has offices in New York City, Toronto, London, Dubai, and Poland. Infusion has hired a whole handful of Happy.Net Rocks listeners, Contact me for an introduction at carl at franklins.net. So I'm still not
0: sure how we really get a feel for performance problems.
2: Uh, with Silverlight Spy, um, you don't. You get, your, you get a feel. You, you do know your, the memory consumption. You do know uh, CPU consumption, which is real-time. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's about it. You can use it as an indicator of, hey, I may, I may have problems.
0: You're ha- and you're, well, so you can a- you're can. you able to show that you're hammering the local machine with your Silverlight app. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, are you implying that it's possible to create memory leaks in Silverlight?
2: Oh, yes. Oh, yes. You can use, uh, like, gigabytes of memory if you want to. Awesome. Have you,
0: <laughs> have you run into
2: that? <laughs> well, awesome. I don't know if that's a good word, but yeah. It's awesome.
0: <laughs> yeah, we know what you mean. <laughs> that's well, no, awesome. I think it's pretty awesome. <laughs> Yeah,
1: yeah, you can use a lot of memory, uh, especially if you've, you're have you loading up a lot of uh, graphics, a lot of images, downloading videos.
2: Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Oh, I don't
1: know about yeah. le- leaking, but, um, you know, you do have to manage memory at some point, but, uh, you know, it's not so much of a leak as, you know, you look and you see, oh, my God, that app is used... <laughs> my Internet Explorer is, like, five mm-hmm. times bigger than the largest uh, process. Yeah.
2: Did you count... Uh- Visual Studio, that one is also a huge memory.
0: Uh, yeah. So I got to think that Silverlight Spies had to change a ton between Silverlight 1 and 4 and ultimately 5.
2: That is correct, yes. So the, the Silverlight 1, uh, about four years ago, there was this uh, old JavaScript-related uh, application. And then uh, Silverlight 2 came along. So I uh, decided to also support the .NET-based uh, Silverlight applications. So, in Silverlight Spy 3, I added a couple of uh, new features, such as the DLR shell, the uh, Z package explorer, and a resource dictionary explorer. Uh, and in Silverlight Spy 4, which is a version that was released in February this year, um, was mainly about adding uh, platform support. Uh, in Silverlight Spy 4, I added support for the Windows Phone, and I added support for the other browser applications.
0: The Windows Phone angle is kind of interesting to me, just because you now you're trying to look inside of the phone. Does the app actually run on the phone?
2: No. Um, and I need to add that the SilverLegs Pi supports the Windows Phone emulator.
0: Ah, okay. It
2: doesn't support the actual device yet. Um, but the, the, what it does is SilverLegs Pi needs a bit of code to run uh, on the Windows Phone, and the, that piece of code uh, connects back to the Light Spy host itself, and there's the communication layer, and the information is going back and forth.
1: All right. So it, it seems like it really isn't all that useful on the emulator, because the whole idea is to be able to look at what other people are doing and, and, and see the visual tree. Do you, did you say that you are working on a, a version that will run on the phone itself?
2: There is not really a difference between the, the emulator and the device.
1: Don't you have to be in Visual Studio to run the emulator? Uh, no, no, no. So you can run the emulator against uh, another person's Windows Phone 7 app in the App Store?
2: That's another, uh, no, I, I, you can't, well, if you have access to a zip file that contains a Windows Phone application, yes, you can launch that and run that into the emulator.
1: Right, but that means that you pretty much are writing it yourself. I can't imagine looking at somebody else's ZAP file. You know on the saying? natural device.
2: Well, no, yeah. that's, and that's also not possible. Even if I could connect to the device, I won't be able to access that. So for the Windows phone, uh, you can only inspect your own ZAP files.
0: Okay. You were talking about uh, a dependency on .NET Reflector. i got to guess this whole situation with Redgate is going to affect you then.
2: Uh, partly, yes. Um, but what it does, Silverlight Spy is just a standalone uh, application. It runs fine without Reflector, but you do not have the deobfuscation functionality. Mm. If you have Reflector installed, uh, all you need to do is uh, to say to the Silverlight Spy, there's Reflector, please use it to deobfuscate the code, and then it will work. So there's a, the link is not hard-coded. The, the dependency is not, uh, no, what, what do you call it? It's not strict. Right. I do not require Reflector to be installed.
0: Okay.
1: What got you interested in doing this in the first place? What was uh what were you, were you just a Silverlight developer who wanted to see what other people were doing? Is that what gave you the idea?
2: No, I was a uh, about the whole Silverlight technology. Um is the reason I I founded my own company. I think it's awesome to run uh .net code in the browser. That was my initial uh reason to to start doing Silverlight work. Mm-hmm. And then Silverlight spy um uh, mainly because I needed it myself. I was running it. Uh, I was building the Silverlight 1 application. I was having a hard time debugging it, so I built my own uh, debugging tool. Yeah. So actually, I was solving my own problem. Right. And then I thought, well, maybe someone else also benefits from this. And, and yeah, people did. People liked it.
1: So uh, you, do you develop in Silverlight mostly yourself, or are you also a WPF developer?
2: Uh, Silverlight Spy is a WPF application.
1: No, no, I mean you personally. Are you a also a WPF developer, or are you mostly a Silverlight developer?
2: Um, well, I'm mostly um, a Silverlight. Well, both, actually. It's a 50-50 thing. I um, I'm, I build products for Silverlight. So there's there's, a, there's a 100% Silverlight products out there. Uh-huh. And and then there's Silverlight Spy, which well, is a lot of WPF work. So, yeah, that's, uh, it's, it's both.
0: So what's next? Are you looking at Silverlight 5?
2: Yes, Silverlight 5 is already supported. And that's uh, one of the things that I try to keep Silverlight Spy up to date. Uh, The moment there's a new version of uh, Silverlight for the desktop or for the Windows phone, so there's Mango coming this month, Uh, the moment that is available, I'll need to um, adjust Silverlight Spy a bit and and add support for it. And uh, Silverlight 5 beta was released uh, a month ago. Mm-hmm. And a couple of weeks later, I, I uh, released my own version of Silverlight Spy with support for Silverlight 5.
1: Is there anything in Silverlight 5 that's going to throw a monkey wrench in the in the tool that you can't support?
2: The thing that I cannot support, you mean?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, well, the whole uh, 3D thing, that's, that's, that's a huge new thing in, in right. Silverlight 5. Um, I'm not too sure what I can do there yet. I'm investigating
1: what about other versions of Silverlight or current versions of Silverlight? Is there anything in there that you just can't touch?
2: Oh, that's a good question. I need to think about that. Well, <laughs> it sounds a bit uh, like, ooh, it's so good. There are no yeah. calls, but that's, it's <laughs> that's not the case. I'm I'm, 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 I'm touching a lot of uh, aspects. So there's the user interface that we've talked about. Um, you can explore the, the zip package itself. You can explore the isolated storage. You have the performance. You can view events. Yeah. And lots of other things. Um, yeah, there are most likely a couple of things that are not available in, in, yeah. in Silverlight Spy. Oh, there's one thing I know. Uh, custom events. If you, if you define a custom event on your visual element, mm-hmm. a Silverlight Spy doesn't know about that event. And it can't handle that event for you.
0: Okay. So you're telling me there are certain things you can do in Silverlight that Silverlight Spy is not going to be able to hook into. So you're going to ha- you can't debug everything.
2: That, that's correct. So the, the main reason to use Silverlight Spy is for the visual side of things. So your user interface, it, it's great. It, it, it shows you about everything there is to know. But if you go to code or executing code or allocated object instances, you need other tools for that.
0: Right. Yeah, the main thing here is trying to figure out why a UI interaction isn't working correctly. Exactly. Yes. So
1: you as a developer, what do you do? You have any thing on your wish list for Silverlight or complaints or... or Messages to Microsoft.
2: Make it faster.
1: Make it faster.
2: Make it faster. Yeah, there is a intrinsic performance problem. If you start building really complex applications, uh, things go don't go that smooth.
1: Wouldn't they just say get a better video card?
2: Uh, I don't know if that solves the problem. I think the problem it's the same issue that is haunting uh, WPF. Mm -hmm. It's it's the, the something should. To change. If you have some complex UI um, with lots of visuals, uh, even if you use hardware as acceleration, there's still... Uh, yeah, I think with those computers today, with like 8 cores minimum, things should be much, much faster. They are not. So yeah, I think there's uh, something to, uh, to be improved there.
1: So fast is a relative term. What are you comparing it to?
2: Um, it's... it's, it's more of a, of a hunch like, like my, my, my application should be blistering fast I mm. click it and it things should pop up and it, it doesn't it, it's, it's slow it's yeah it's, I, don't, I don't I don't compare it. I compare it to DOS okay. if I have a DOS application <laughs> now I run it, if I run it on my laptop now it's, it's blistering fast
0: yeah
2: in Visual Studio 2010 is not blistering fast my WPF application I have a feeling that it, it can be better
0: it can go faster, yeah. We have to wonder what hoops they're jumping through to be able to run in-browser and out-of-browser. Just the cost of all of that, it sort of gives us a floor for how fast Silverlight can go.
2: That is, uh, that is true. There's a lot going on, yeah. So I, I don't know if things can be improved uh, if, if you stay with the current architecture of, of XAML and, and, and the managed code, and if the garbage collector is in the way, or do we need more threads? I don't know where the solution is but I have a feeling that things can be, should be improved.
0: So what's next for you, Kuhn?
2: Well, um, well there's Silverlight Spy 5. Well, we, we talked about the uh, support for Silverlight 5, which is already in there for the beta. Then there's Mango, Windows Phone Mango. There's, there's quite a lot of new features there, but the uh, SDK is not available yet. Uh, but at the moment uh, that is available... We'll start working on some, uh, adding some features sp- uh, specifically for Mango. And then there's Windows 8. Yeah. Or Windows 3 Next or whatever it's called. Um, and, and yeah, uh, Microsoft is, is very silent about it. You don't hear, hear a thing about it. Yeah, it uh, doesn't exist. Uh, that, uh, something is brewing, it's, it's silent. I mean, they're not talking about it, but something huge is coming. We think, think so
1: too. Something is afoot. They don't mm-hmm. just rest on their laurels, those Microsoft people.
0: Yeah, and I do wonder if Silverlight isn't going to play a role in Windows 8 in some form.
2: I wonder that myself. Yeah. But I, I, yeah, I hope, and that's the only thing I can do at the moment, I hope XAML will play an important role somewhere. And if that's the case, then. I'll make sure Selflight Spy is supported.
0: Do you think you need something like this for WPF as well?
2: Uh, Yes, I think that you need something like this as well. And there are tools at the moment that I think, there's Snoop. Snoop? Snoop for WPF. That's an open source application that provides similar functionality as to what Selflight Spy is providing for Selflight applications.
0: I had not heard of this.
2: Snoop, you haven't heard of that?
0: No. Well, there it is. Snoop. There it is. Snoop project on CodePlex. Exactly. But basically the same concept, but for WPF. Let's add a link to that. I'll do that.
2: And um, I've been thinking about adding support for WPF, and, and I'm still thinking about it. Do I need to do that? What, what's involved? What, what resources do I need to allocate for that? So there's, there's yeah. It, it might happen, but it, might, it also depends a bit on what is uh, Windows V Next bringing. And I hope that in September, during this PDC, that they will announce some new stuff.
0: Now, they haven't called it a PDC. What did they call it? So far, they haven't given it a name. I've been calling it SanofskyCon. The the Voldemort (laughs) conference. That which shall not be named. Nice.
1: Okay,
2: so the the next version of Windows should not be named.
0: Yeah. So neither is its conference. I like SanofskyCon. I think we should stick with that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, Kuhn, it's been great talking to you, and congratulations on the success of Silverlight Spy, and uh, I hope you get some more uh, users out of it. I'm sure that there are a lot of eager people that probably have already downloaded it, listening to this. Thanks again. Awesome, thank you. All right, and we'll talk to you next time, dear listener, on Dot Networks. online at www.franklins.net For more .NET Rocks episodes and to subscribe to the podcast feeds go to our website at www.dotnetrocks.com Got
0: band
1: by the FCC is <laughs> hard